Landline has a podcast. The Australian TV Fuck. show has a podcast. Fuck. That's clearly what's happening here. God. All right, now, is, do you think... Do we think the Americans are also Googling to to listen to the landline in Australia? Everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. Landline Podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. Happy holidays. Enjoy. Famous guy in LA. Landline. Hi, Landline. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Have you met Gabe? Um. So, welcome back. Our famous guy in LA, Gabe. Um, today it's basically going to be like an open production meeting where I get a friend who actually knows what he's talking about. To help shape landline podcasts, as it's a pretty reflective time for all of us, end of the year holidays. Landline's having its own reflections, and uh-huh. G- Gabe feels too guilty not to say that he won't do it. So here he is on the show. Um, but we have to clear up some sort of kerfuffle that's um, transitioned from the text world to the real world, and now to the podcast. So I was watching Seinfeld actually about a week ago on the TBS app. Um, it seems so dated now. Seinfeld landline, like uh, living in a world before cell phones. Um, well, Seinfeld's landline, but not watching it on the TBS app. I know. Well, I'm a cord cutter, so I don't have cable. So then the only way to watch it is through the TBS app, you know, pirating my parents' um, username and password from their cable. So it's like, you're right. It's not landline. Do you still have a DVD player? No, but I did just find a bunch of DVDs of, like, high school talent shows that my dad sent me. And now I think I'm going to take it to a guy to transition to a flash drive so I can watch it. Again, not very landline. So there are probably ten Seinfeld episodes that everybody knows, and one of them is the Festivus episode. And you probably don't know this, Gabe, but today is Festivus, according to me. And one of the best parts of the Festivus episode is the airing of grievances. So I thought we'd start with that. It's, um, you know, very on brand for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So I left a group text the other day because I, like I you know, normally do, um, got sort of super angry about something that somebody said. But it was really about what I had said. And it's a pattern I've had with group texts now for at least the next nine months. And I really want to talk about group texts in general because I think it's a really interesting landline topic. But first, we have to just get through the end of our argument. So basically, my recollection is that our argument went that I said Twitter was more valuable than Netflix. And you said it wasn't. And then you started quoting like, you know, statistics real statistics about market market cap which really angered me 
um, because I have like $100,000 of student loans from business school and you were using the word market cap on me. I mean, I think that was one of my trigger moments. But um, I also just realized that I felt like there was no nuance being understood in what I said. Like, what is value? And I actually looked it up in a dictionary. It was an online dictionary. Uh -huh. I searched my home for a dictionary and didn't find one. I'm embarrassed about that. If anyone has an extra dictionary they want to send, 3860 North Melrose, Portland, 97227. But it says that um, – so the term value bull is something that has – that is worth a lot of money. So you were right. 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 So I was right. But, the va but value is something – the definition is the regard that something is held to deserve the importance worth – or usefulness of something. The, re mm -hmm. the, the regard that something is held to... The, the, what? Yes, the regard that something is held to deserve the importance, worth or usefulness of something. And I feel like maybe it's just an interesting conversation about Twitter that would be on a podcast called Internet versus Landline, but isn't Twitter the most, like, undervalued valuable asset on planet earth like do you agree that twitter just because it can't make money because it doesn't know how to advertise and because i can go on it for free versus like a subscription service like amazon or netflix or whatever the case may be i pay 9.99 a month like can we come to some sort of joint agreement about twitter's value and its influence on planet earth right now conversation kind of makes me want to throw up <laughs> well like what like what well, what is it that i, I mean get... then i'm gonna like counter that by saying like even though facebook is technically more valuable like i think facebook is the most valuable thing on the planet regardless of the market cap and that's because people spend more time there like because like if you're if we're to learn something from information i was thinking about this how did people used to learn that like somebody died in a car crash or somebody, you know, got signed to 160 when when Manny Ramirez got signed to a 160 million dollar contract by the Red Sox? Like, I think I remember Theo Epstein did that deal at the GM meetings that winter. He got like stolen from Cleveland. When did we when did we first find out about that? I mean, I'm guessing probably like one of us watched ESPN or we were like reading the Boston Globe actual newspaper. Well, hold on. Let me just look. What what year was that? Do you remember the year? Wow. You're going on the Internet during landline. Um, two, I think it was 2000. Well, they won the World Series in 04, right? Or did Four. they? Yep. So like oh, I think it was 1999. I feel like they signed him or like two, 2000. It was pre after 2000. So, what was our internet usage in 2000? I mean, I probably got it from ESPN.com in 2000. Wow. So we got to go further back. But I see your point. Like, it, you know, at that point, what were we still dialing up to the internet? Like, and at, like porn, porn was loading really slowly. At no point, sure. at no point, do I want to, you know, put you in an uncomfortable position vis-a-vis -vis your work or your professional life during this podcast. So, if there's something, if we go to a You've place. Already You've already said the N-word already on this podcast. Well, yeah, but like, the, like that's one thing. That is actually at the core of the problem with Landline. Nobody wants to come on and be who they are 
when I started Landline, I thought like, okay, I have a friend who works in entertainment. I have a friend who's a helicopter ski guide. I have a friend who's an author. I have a friend who's a winemaker. I have a friend who, you know, has people in in Nepal with solar lights replacing coal stoves. Like all these people are going to want to come on my podcast and it's going to be like a, a not famous, not like people who are self, you know, sort of like who are always talking about themselves on NPR. It's like this new tier of people who are doing cool things in the world and would want to share their stories. And nobody does. Nobody wants to be identified on this podcast as who they actually are, which is maybe my problem, not yours. But but with that said, like, yes, I watched Netflix last night. Like I watched the I've, I'm now of one episode left of The Crown. Like I if we put all the money I've ever spent in Netflix, like it would make it very clear why Netflix is more valuable than Twitter, because I don't think I've ever paid Twitter a, a cent. But didn't you think that that was like, how did you feel when I quit the text chain? Maybe that'll bring us into the text chain conversation, because that's actually. I mean, I felt, well, I want to talk about Manny Ramirez a little bit more, and then we could go to the text chain. All right. Tell me what, tell, tell me about I mean, Manny. I went to his Wikipedia while you were ranting. But did you know he's still playing baseball right now? In, um, don't tell me, not in New Zealand, but in Australia, right? Nice. He's on the Sydney Blue Sox. He's a player coach. You probably get this from WEI because you still listen to that, right? No, I think I see it in headlines when I, when I read the, you know, the paper. All right. and he's I'm on making... the Sydney, just by skimming his Wikipedia, he still plays for the Sydney Blue Sox. And he... At one point when he was on the Red Sox, he got Ellis Burks to drink alcohol, which he had spiked with Viagra. Wow. Talk about a party drug. Totally. <laughs> um, what do you think they did after that? Uh, I th- just played video games. <laughs> um, I think that... Oh, I miss the Red Sox. The, Manny Ramirez. Yeah, like that was the biggest... That was the first major free agent signing, I feel like, in our youth because when we grew up... Free agents didn't, you know, the Celtics had Larry Bird their entire lives, and it wasn't like, oh, they just drafted those people and kept them, and the Patriots stunk. I mean, Drew Bledsoe, well, they drafted him. He never was anywhere else. It was like Manny Ramirez was the first time we saw a Boston sports team, like, really shell out money for somebody that was on another team. Yeah. Well, look, if 2000, I mean, to close the book on this, if in 2000 he signed with them, we were between our junior and senior years of high school. It was the summer between junior and senior year, basically the absolute peak of our lives. I think I saw it at SportsCenter, like 5 yeah. or 5.30 SportsCenter before dinner. I think I had like, you know, you read the paper that day from Peter Gammons or whoever who was giving the hot stove information, and then I would have like checked in on it because they would have known that there was a chance. And I feel like there was kind of a back and forth between the Red Sox and Cleveland and they like kept on bidding and you like got to hear what the numbers were. It was like Red Sox started 145, Cleveland went to 155 and then like Red Sox yeah. went to 165 and they didn't count or something like that. So Right, November 2000. Oh no, Yankees and Mariners, but he got the 8-year 160 from the Red Sox. With two extra option years. And he turned out to oh, be total dirtbag. He like not only did he use steroids, you know, he learned how to be a pro from Albert Bell, which is the first person I remember hearing corked his bat, and who would just crank home runs off the left field 
um, yep. tin at, at Fenway Park. Like, I can remember Albert Bell hitting balls out of Fenway Park that you were just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, but Mayor... well, November of 2000, though, then we were probably, yeah, we were hanging out. It was our senior year of high school. We pro- but we just also hung out a lot more. So we probably called each other's landlines, actually, and told each other about it, whether one of us saw it on SportsCenter or not. And then Manny Ramirez became somebody who threw the clubhouse attendant down in the dugout, like like the guy, yeah. you know, the 80-year-old man who, like, made sure their batting gloves were put in the right cubby. He, like, threw that guy down and, you know, is still playing now, what, to service his debt, like alimony, child support, because he has nothing else to do? I think he's, he's in his 50s. So here's the thing, Gabe. I think that group texts... This is the second group text that I've quit in the last six months. I I blocked your phone number for the next three hours because it was my only defense against you adding me immediately back to the group text. And I also... I know, we didn't add you back. So I, how I felt is I felt it was an extreme reaction to what our conversation was, which was general back and forth text arguments where people try to egg each other on a little bit, especially when there's other other people in the chain. But is there a world where somebody could make a logic argument like with using like professional debate skills that Twitter is a more valuable entity than Netflix? Like, would you ever believe if it wasn't me who I know you think is always wrong? And by the way, this all was, uh, you know, not precipitated, whatever the word is. I can't even think of it. This was all predicated on the idea that. I recommended you buy Twitter stock ten, yes. five years ago, and I was an idiot for recommending it. But aren't you the idiot for listening to me about what stocks to buy? I don't even own stocks. You were very aggressive when they first came out with their IPO that I should buy it. But I don't even think you were an idiot. I mean, it was it's, it's gained value since then, but just not compared to the other stocks I could have bought at the time. Think, I mean, I don't think it. So think about how much more just... Could, trying did, to cause controversy. Did you, you ever know the two texts that I wrote after you left the chain? I guess. The first one said "good riddance," <laughs> and the second one said "often wrong, never in doubt." But Gabe, that's the thing is like you and I think value means something different. Did you ever think that Twitter would be the force of nature that it is when I told you to buy the stock? Like I. Maybe I didn't know anything about free cash flows and dividends and like market cap. And by the way, we could have an expert on who explains that the market values aren't even real. Like I'm not, I don't know. I'm sure Netflix is spinning cash off at this point, but their stocks skyrocketed originally when they were unprofitable, just like every other tech company. And so, I mean, literally Twitter has become it's in, in, uh, something that is completely corrupted society. And has and now spreads information like nothing else. And yeah, maybe I don't know enough about Facebook and maybe it's actually Facebook that's doing all that. But like when I thought that it would be an incredible, you know, earth changing entity and told you to purchase it, purchase it, I was right. It's just that it had nothing to do with its ability to make money. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, we can go on and on about a Facebook versus Twitter argument. I mean, my argue, quick argument about Facebook is it's way more manipulative to the general public. It's way more global. And that's, I think it's, it's the absolute worst thing that exists in planet Earth. Whereas Twitter is only slightly better because 
it's I, yeah, I just don't. Uh oh, what happened? She's trying to call me. I'm still here. Can you hear me? All right. Are they more important than me? Even if they are, you can't uh, hang up. So it might, may or may not be my boss, but I'll uh, I'm ignoring it wow. for this. All right. Well, patch, patch really a, uh, influential argument here. Patch them in. Okay. Well, look. So let's let's transition to group text because I think it's I think it's important. So. I don't feel good about how I act on group texts. I want this. I, I was mad at you, but really I was mad at myself. And I think mm -hmm. that we have a group text chain with all our friends from high school that I've quit now and stayed off because I asked you not to put me back on. I had this smaller group text chain with three of four of us that I just quit. And then this morning I got added to a new one that's about fitness and like not being fat, which I need to be on. And like I was excited to be on and then a bunch of people got added to that. And unfortunately, you're entirely too skinny to ever get added to that. So who's on that? I, I, it's really none of, your, it's none of your business. But all we've done is talk about you. So so um, I'm just kidding. So the 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 point is like I, I was like, OK, this is something new. And and. I looked down at my phone three minutes later, which now, by the way, is constantly on silent. I can never have my ringer on because of Thank all you. the texting. So you miss calls because your phone is your work phone now. And so right. and so, I had 35 text messages in three minutes from this new chain, and 33 of them were from Max. And... Right. The, the like we should get skinny turned into like him giving us a blow by blow about what was going on at the coffee shop he was at. So I just isn't this just the new AOL instant messenger? Isn't that what's going on here? Like, remember that feeling in college when you had that window, that AOL window and you open it up and you had like two college friends and like five friends from high school. Yeah. And you, you know, and you like but would you did we ever do group on AOL instant messenger? No, but it's the same thing. It's just talking to yourself in front of a group. That's what you're doing, right? I mean, like, where are we going with this, Gabe? Like, I, I want to put aside, like, any sort of, you know, judgment I have around you and your use of technology. Like, it's working for you. I know that you have done a good job, like, figuring out what the barriers are, whether you, like, don't go to bed with it or, like, whatever it is. You have times where it's off. You even have... You even have a work situation where you guys are, like, required to turn your phone off for certain, like, work things, you know, for a weekend, right? I mean, that's more than many people in this country would ever think of doing. And people have their ringers on in movie theaters when those actually existed. So now we're in a situation where, like, me and you and our friends from high school are basically the equivalent of, like, a bunch of sisters from Long Island who are texting each other instead of having real relationships in the real world. When when our kids are twelve and are at soccer games, are we going to be in a group text about like what Buffalo Bills spread we should bet on, or like who like got divorced? The like they're playing right now, by the way. We I, didn't bet on exactly. Them. There's another group chain. It's like I love gambling with you, but it has to be through texting, and then we text it all through the games, and it's like. Like, are you going to be my friend if I don't group text anymore? And this, this, by the way, is then going to transition to the landline and how my podcast has taken over the idea of me having a cell phone in my or a landline in my home and how fucked up that is. But let's just let's nail home the group text thing, because I think this is a very applicable topic for people all around the country, whether it's your family, cousins, aunts and uncles texts, whether it's like friends from high school, friends from college, you can't get off them without offending people. And the one last thing I'll say before you respond is 
Same with AOL Instant Messenger. Same with group emails. Now with text messages. For me, I never wanted to take this stuff seriously. I never wanted the life in on online to be the actual way I feel. I wanted to be able to say in politically incorrect things. I wanted to be able to like say fuck you to people. It's all a joke to me. As soon as it becomes like the real way we communicate, then there is no real in-person conversation anymore. So what are we going to do? Like, do you see this as something you'll ever stop doing? And I'm not judging you. I just want to know what is your plan around group texting? It's all very complicated. I mean, I think, do you want to break it down to like this year specifically and COVID or do you want to go broader than that? Well, okay. That's a great thing. I wrote that down on my notes on my purple clipboard with my lined paper and my pencil that I have in my hand, all landline. One, the one thing I wrote is that COVID is the holiday season for texting. And what I meant by that yeah. is it's like everyone knows that they're going to quit drinking after the holidays or stop eating sweets or this is the time they're going to exercise. And texting and our iPhones are ex the exact same thing. It's an addiction. And we are now using COVID to just get further and further into this addiction that we have with our cell phones. And I have had more offenses that landline podcasts would be offended by in the last year than almost anyone. Like I'm worse than other people. I'm the one on these fucking text chains with my high school friends. And so I'm sitting here saying, I don't know. Should we look at it that way? Or should we say that that's just an excuse that we really have a problem and it's going to be really hard to break after well, COVID? I think a little of both, but I, my point was around the need for connection right now when we don't see each other. You know, you don't have the ability to, like, look forward to seeing each And granted, that wouldn't necessarily stop us from texting each other. But I do think it's a way for people to stay in touch and feel closer to one another when they can't actually be physically present. And I just wonder, like, for myself, when I, when I quit the text chain the other night and blocked you for three hours... I felt relieved. I felt like I was suddenly like finally like in my own house, in my own place, physically present for a second. And I didn't have to worry about coming up with like a witty retort to beat you in an argument in front of other people on a text chain, which is like, a, you well, know, I think this is part of it is taking control of your text chain. Like you were obviously very vulnerable the other night. You weren't in the right mood state. You started the text chain by saying you like, yelled at your kids before they went to bed and had to walk away. So that's how you entered the conversation. So you were right for us to just like start needling and picking. And so it was obvious where it was going to lead, which was you leaving the conversation. <laughs> and so like, this is the problem with the phone. It's that when we were on AOL instant messenger or even on Gmail, like group emails, you had to be at your desk at a chair, like, pressing send and even those like physical actions that seem not that different than standing in your kitchen while your dad while your kid asks you like why the moon gets bigger or smaller and you're looking at your phone and ignoring them it's so much easier to just fire something off it's still i do think is enough of a difference can you imagine like if we read out group text chains in like a conference call i mean talk about a good podcast performance like if we did we did an hour long, you know, table read. We hired actors to read out our our group text message chains. It's crazy. 
No one would ever say that, that shit. That is the problem with it. It's true. Like, they are so fleeting, even though they're not, because they're all on our phones for eternity until Russia hacks us and just puts them out onto the internet. But, like, I think people feel like they can get away more on text chains than even an email or obviously other things. So I think that's part of it is because it is a few words at a time. It can come and go. That makes it addictive, but also puts people at their worst generally, or at least when it's talking about our friends. Well, I think that, you know, it's a depressing thing to bring up and it's a pretty real question, but I, I, I think we're acting the way we did maybe when we went to college for the first time or when we, you know, move, not just me and you, but all the people that are, you know, closed up in this net and, and everyone else has their own nets that they're thinking of. There was a moment where it was like, okay, we're going away and then we're going to come back together for a summer, for holidays, for Thanksgiving break. So keeping in contact is something that's like you keep the joke alive. And then when you get back together for the reunion or, you know, whatever it is, the hometown holiday bar crawl, there's kind of some cohesion there. What is it that we're like keeping in touch for? I'm not saying you and I, like we're great friends, we're going to yeah. stay in touch. But the, I mean, there are people on the group text chains that I've been on in the past who I may or may not ever see again in my entire life. And so go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering, like, what did we do? Let's go back in time. Like, so let's talk about like freshman year of college. You you were at the first of your like seven college colleges. Um, George Washington. Both of us didn't have cell phones yet, right? Well, well I, I got a, think I got a, a sophomore I year. I got a cell phone to like junior, senior year of college, maybe. Um, but what? How did we stay in touch? Did we just email each other, or did we do instant messenger, or what did we even do? I'm sure we did all. I'm sure we emailed. I, I mean, I think we called too. Like I came to visit you at college a few times as a right. freshman, and how did I get, like, how did that happen? You know, it was, how did we make that happen? There was just logistics that had to be, even then, you know, I didn't just, it wasn't 1978. I didn't just show up. I, I there was some like, I'm going to come this weekend. Cool. Here's my address. I mean, did I, I, I think I probably printed out MapQuest instructions, but. Yeah. I, I guess my point is it didn't make us worse friends that we didn't, that we weren't constantly in each other's pockets all day, every day. Yeah, and in fact, may, then we had something to talk about when we saw each other. Right. It's like if you, you know, if everybody just tells each other everything that's going on, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. A lot of, we're going to get into the, by the way, the meat of the conversation for all you listeners. Thanks for listening. Landline Podcast 503-894-8480. Please, for my one Christmas present, call the landline and leave a message. <laughs> Um, well, so what is, okay. So I, but I'll, I'll agree with you in the point that like the best moments of this COVID with our friends has been all of that. I mean, it's more technology, but like scheduling zooms and all of us hanging out for a few hours and drinking and having a good time and that's like, rather than stupidly texting back and forth. And in a way that's kind of hilarious. Like it becomes, it's we're we live in the future and we have star Trek walls or, you know, Spaceballs walls is probably more like it. And and we all can get on there and sit in our basements and like drink and smoke joints and talk to each other. Like it's so stupid, it's it's cool. And the idea of being able to see everybody and that nobody can really hear each other and then it's all just like a bunch of laughter. 
I will have I've had my toxic shame after those moments as well. Um, but yeah, I, I've had times during that we had a we had a virtual Beirut tournament. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. I don't think many idiot friend groups in the country have done that. So but I, I do think that, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, you're not forcing me to text. I'm addicted to texting. And for somebody who has pontificated for years, apparently, you know, empty threats the entire time that technology was our downfall and smartphones sucked and I didn't want to get one. And I guess that is, you know, just shortly before we get into this, what are the defense mechanisms before we get into the next topic, before segment one comes to a close? And what are if you if you you know, it's like you see those posters in bathrooms um, at rest areas. Like if you if you feel unsafe, call this number. If you feel like you are trapped in a group text message, a bunch of people's ears just perked up. What do you do here? Here's what I came up with. And I'd love to hear your ideas. Number one, get an Android phone. Everybody hates having somebody with an android phone on their text definitely message. i hate the green the green phone. you hate the green it's it like that's everyone you can't like send pictures at all it fucks everything up. sent as a text message it says in the gray writing okay so get an android that's number one number two change your phone number i mean i came up i've, I've been thinking about changing my phone number for nine months i don't really know how that accomplishes anything because once you find out my new text message number you're just going to add me to all the group texts again yeah well it's also bad because like then someone else in the washington dc metro area will get your phone number and they'll still be on some old text chain that Yikes. will get us all in trouble finally probably. that's when cancel culture comes for me and then yeah. number three um it's get one of those like $400 dumb phones that they sell, which obviously I've like licked my lips at and gotten all the way to the checkout card online to buy, but realized that it's completely idiotic. And I am one person who's actually gone away from a smartphone in the last five years and gotten a Nokia bar phone from Europe, like worked with technical support to somehow get the fucking thing to work in the United States. And then three weeks later, just reactivated my iPhone. So I, you know, I've tried that. You get a phone. There are phones out there. I have dreams of having like a car phone so that if my kid smashes his head, somebody can call me. But that if anybody, if I, you know, or if I go into a snowbank, what, what are the other options? Like writing like a heartfelt note to everybody being like, please don't include me in, in group texts. I feel like that's the death now. You're never friends with anybody again. Well, if you do that too, obviously every, like our friends will make sure to include you in the group text. Oh, God. I mean, I would say here, yeah, like. What do I do? Figure out what I do, because I feel crazy about this. It's not about everybody else. It's about me. I don't like. I left. I took a six week break from one of our text chains called Top Secret Discussions, which you're now off of. Um, And it felt great. But then I started having FOMO. And then I wanted I started asking everyone to add me back, which then created another power dynamic. This is the like you have so much power leaving a chain and you feel so good, but then what happens when you want to get back in? Which inevitably you will. Then you have no power whatsoever. All right. Well, if you have any comments, five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty. I think that's all we can do there. I mean, would you rather not talk to all our friends or be on those chains? 
like if you couldn't, if there was no other way of really com- actively communicating until you saw everyone the next time, what would you choose? I would rather move home and live in a cul-de-sac where all of them could yell the same th- stupid things they did to my face while we played wiffle ball. And that's like, that. this is the conundrum that I don't think we really went deep enough. I think that I kind of want to, there's too many options for life. I'm almost 40. I kind of want to decide who my friends are going to be and then like go for it. And the people I have the most entertainment from are this group of people I grew up with. And I know for a fact that like I'm doing a bad job making new friendships because I compare everybody else to them, which is totally juvenile and, you know, unrealistic. But it's like, it's not good enough. It's like, it's kind of just like, it's like sneaking shots of whiskey in the closet instead of just like going to a program or being like, fuck it, I'm going to open a bar and like be somebody who drinks, you know, it's just, it's like halfway in between. It's not committing to anything. And for me, I feel like I like things either or, and I'm not really getting that right now. Now, what will probably happen is I just end up like communicating via text for the rest of my life. But I do think it's pretty important to think about this. Like, okay, when we're 70, are we going to be like texting each other about how we're annoyed about how somebody overcooked the fried chicken and like nobody knows how to make a good cup of coffee? You know, it's just I I, I thought I kind of thought this behavior was going to go away, but it feels like it's permanent at this point. Well, it's just going to accelerate to something different, which will be like a Facebook portal or something that you have. That just like chimes out of your brain. Well, I'm going to call as one of the breaks for this show. I'm going to call my mom or my dad and just ask them like when somebody got divorced in 1986, (laughs) like how did you find out? Like, was there a phone tree for everybody, you know, or like if somebody had to go to rehab or, you know, or like whatever it is, like whatever the things are, if somebody lost all their money in a Ponzi scheme, like how did you find out about that? You waited three years so you ran into them at a wedding or like did somebody call you to tell you? I mean, that's pretty important stuff. But all of your whole argument is always back to like when things were less convenient. Like, would that make you happy? Well, this is the thing. It's back to value. There is no value in the group text chain. There's no, tr- I don't think, there is a sense of comfort that you are. You can say what you won't, don't want to say out loud to somebody and have them react. There is like a dopamine, I think, or a serotonin, whatever it is. We need Mitch, the therapist, to tell us. There's some sort of reaction you get from sending, we all get from sending those texts. But there's no true value there. It's just a, it's masturbatory and horrible. It's and, all horrible. Uh, I'm not, what can we, what are, what are we going to do about it? Like you're entering, it's the end of the year right now. Like it's a good time to reflect, like you said, and set new goals. Like a couple things we do that are not very effective. We have a chalkboard on our wall, which is landline. And every week when we get our screen time report that pops up on our iPhone, we write down the amount of time we were on our phone per day. So it's there invisible. So every time you walk by, you can see it. Well, I think what we should do is tease the answer to what are we going to do about it to the third segment of this pod. And we're going to stick to something a little bit more light, which is the historical statistics for landline. Because I think one of the points, I have some passages from an article I want to read later, and it really dovetails exactly into your question about what I want to do about it. And I think it also just speaks to kind of the conundrum that's in my brain about landline in general. So 
Let's uh, five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty. Let's 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 switch gears. Landline. Hi. Mom. Yes. Can you do a two minute podcast with me? Okay. The subject of this pod, amongst other things, is group texts. Are you on group texts? Yes. And how many do you feel like you have to, you know, monitor? Well, I'm only on two. Wow, that's pretty nice. So I'm on my one with, you know, you and your cousins and my siblings and all of those people, and I'm on one with my siblings. And do they ever cause you any anxiety, or are you glad? Are they just sort of a happy-go-lucky, this is nice to have a conversation? Well, they sometimes, I sometimes just don't pay attention, but they aren't things... I mean, are there group texts that just go on every day? Oh, yes, there are. Oh, yeah, no, I don't have anything like that. So when it happens, I I am interested and enjoy it, and I think it's a great way, not with a lot of information, but like a, a great way to sort of check in and know what people are doing, like what's everybody having for Christmas dinner. I like that. So I think in the younger set, there's group texts from college, there's group texts from high school, there's group texts from a job you used to work at, there's group texts for work, there's all of these things. Um, but one question I had for you specifically about group texts is, what did people do in 1986 when somebody got divorced or somebody you know, um, got pregnant or had to go to rehab or lost all their money in a fire or something like that. Like what, how, what was the communication? How did people gossip from afar? Was it a phone call? Like, did your friends call you to gossip about other friends you held in common that you didn't live near? Well, I guess when you say that, I don't really know the answer, but I guess the only gossip that, that there was, or the gossip that I remember, it's like you actually only, maybe it was that we only gossiped with the people who lived where you lived. Like if... So if you you have, like, friends from college that you still stay in touch with and you get a Christmas card from, and some of them, and we're not going to name them, or we're not casting, casting aspersions, if that's the correct term. But, you know, some of them have been divorced and some of them have gone through up times and down times. How did you find out about that? Was it 10 years later that you found out that their husband was cheating on them or whatever the thing was? Well, back then, if it, it was either the people that I knew that lived in the Upper Valley, which obviously you checked in and found those things out because they were your friends of the present, friends in the present. That, that's what you're making my brain work. You had friends, they lived around you, and those were the people who you communicated with. Then, if someone was really close to me from my past, maybe once a year or twice a year, I would go, like, go to see them or meet them in New York or something like that. And then you would find out what was going on, unless it was a gigantic event in which you'd get a phone call. And maybe you got the phone call, and then at that meeting, you discussed it. But I think what 
really you're getting at, Alex, is that in 1986, my it was my friends that I saw on a regular basis who I communicated with. Do you feel like there's any downside to not being able to stay in touch with some of your friends of your youth? Do you wish that you had kept in touch with people that you, you know, went to a party with when you were 18? Um, I don't, I mean, I think it wasn't possible, so it, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I, like, for instance, I liked seeing, um, I went to a college reunion last October, not last October, but the October before. I really, really, really liked seeing those people. I had not communicated with any but one of them in the last, or two of them, maybe in the last 20 years. I love seeing them, and I'm not communicating with them now, and that's fine. And when you, even when you were going to go see a friend in New York, like you grew up with someone and you both went your separate ways, but they were a close person that you wanted to stay in contact with, how did you organize going to New York? You called each other and said, let's plan a trip? Yeah. And then where would you meet? In the hotel lobby? Yeah, you met in the lobby, or maybe you were staying there. And then you plan to go to the theater or do something and have dinner, or maybe you met for dinner. I mean, one thing that happened is that when one of my really close friends, who I used to see on Nantucket, because she happened to go to Nantucket every summer, and we would see each other, take a walk, maybe have a dinner, and that was it. Um, She died, and I called two of our other close friends, and we decided to meet in New York and get together and kind of talk about it. And we met for a night and stayed in the hotel and had dinner and lunch and talked. And I don't know, we probably did some, went to a museum or whatever. And I actually, one of them I've seen since then, and the other one I haven't. Hmm. And I don't, we're not on any text or... um. I see people. Call the landline at 503-894-8480. Touch with people anyway. I don't know how good I'd be even if there were a text. I just, I just wouldn't probably tune in. Landline. Okay, so Gabe, this is a little bit of like a coming out party for landline. I've never done this before. I, you know, on Mm -hmm. SoundCloud is my main platform, I guess, that I upload the WAV files to after I edit. Um, actually, I have to convert the WAV to an MP3 because the WAV files are too big. But you edit in WAV and then you upload an MP3 to SoundCloud. And then SoundCloud has an RSS feed, which farms out landline to all the various platforms people listen to this on, you know, Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify and all that stuff. Um Pocket casts. I don't know. My wife always has like the hippest one. So I've never shared with people how many people listen to this. But as this is a time of reflection and I really feel as if I need some support, I decided that I would start sharing or I'm going to share right now some of the information around Landline. And given your background in just entertainment and media and your intelligence in general as like a producer and director and somebody who knows what people like, I thought you'd be a great person to communicate about this stuff with. So here we go. So I love this transparency and compliments of me, but the, the transparency is great. Okay. So over under, 
well, you, how do we do this? How many, Price is Right, how many total listens to Landline Podcast over the history of the podcast, which missed the first 30 or so episodes because I didn't put them on SoundCloud, but just let's just pretend that doesn't matter. How many, and this could be the same person listening twice, although they don't count it if you listen to the same episode twice, but just total listens, all the bots, all the people trying to hack the U.S. government, everybody in Australia, how many listens do you think there's been? So this is, it's just I need to get a little bit more information before I make my guess. Is it listens like, is it a, a downloads or just someone who clicks play on SoundCloud or is it a, like I, when I listen to your podcast every now and then I use Apple Podcasts and listen on there. Like what, what stats are you even reading? Yeah, so it would be I'll the be here. so. Let's say you've listened to my podcast sixty times because there's sixty episodes and you've listened to every one, which I know you haven't. Then that would yeah. that would count to the. It's not you one listener. It's you sixty plays. It does count all the plays across all the platforms. So okay, so not just down, not just me downloading or subscribing. Exactly. But a download would probably also quantify a play. Some way. It's weird. the The download number is so small compared to the play number that. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you know what quantifies a play? Like, could I just press play and listen for thirty seconds and stop? Yes. Could I give you those stats? I we can get those stats, but we're not going to do that today. That could be part two in the new year when. Well, we're... it's important, but okay. Um. So, how many episodes? Huh. I didn't. How many even... episodes? Let's say, I think there's probably about 110 episodes. Okay. Maybe more like 80. That's all I'm going to answer, though. Okay, between 80 and 110. I'm going to guess, I'm going to say 90 episodes. Um, hmm, give me a second here. Jeez, really making them wait. They're turning to sports radio right now. I'm going to say, oof, 1,530 lessons. <laughs> Wow, you made me feel so good. 14.7, excuse me, 14.7 thousand listens. 15,000 listens. All right, so 10 times my guess. 10 times your guess. So then if you had 90 episodes, that's about 170 listens per I mean, with Max in there, he's probably listening like 85 times an episode. No, but you can't, it doesn't count twice if you hit play twice. So, interestingly enough, there were tw- there's 3,267 listens this year. There's 2,157 listens last year, but there were 4,396 lessons in 20 listens in 2018. I did a bad job, but there's been actual a decline and then a back up. I think that's because I posted a lot more pods in 2018. Yeah, you got to just you got like it does. I think you have to think about it as listens per episode, not total listens. So if this was like a bar and I was playing the piano and I just stood there and had like a colostomy bag and a you know a, a, a refillable glass of Soylent Green, it means fifteen thousand people have walked through the door. Sometimes, oftentimes, the same person to listen to me play that song. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, that's like, that's not, that's not nothing. Now I've spent about well, if fifteen thousand people and or bots. Yes, exactly. I, let's, thanks for yeah putting me down. Thanks. That's why I'm having you on. So, all right, the top five episodes of all time. Nice. Here we go. This is I'm, this is where I can get dig into the data. Okay. 
Number five. Is there anywhere left to live with Giles? 303 plays. I'm writing these down. Keep going. Number four. Don't accept Portal or Alexa as a Christmas gift with Jeff, the hedge fund millionaire, thousandaire. Okay. 309. Number three. Landline episode 38. Olive Wars, Cruise Ships, and Caffeine with Saul. 311. Number two. Should I get a vasectomy? Ask Gabe. 325 listens. Yep. Number one. $4 million of wine. 347 listens. That's a two guys, one cup with Tim, the Craigslist winemaker. 341. 347. 347, Tim. Okay. I think the best episode ever is in the top 10. It's Burning Down the House with 278 episodes where I talk about how Hanover, our hometown, is being ruined by rich people. So, anyways, those are the top five episodes. I thought you would be, I, you know, I thought your, you getting a vasectomy was number one, but it was number two. So, I'm sorry. Well, I, I've, got, I've got some thoughts here. Where should we start? I have a, I have a, an exciting and ambitious bet I'm about to make for everyone listening. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is this episode that we're doing right now is going to be the most listened episode of all time. Wow! Because you're going to put it on Twitter. You're going to put it on Netflix. <laughs> no, because I my theory is it's all about the title of your podcast. So if you agree with me right now that you'll call this podcast How to Have Better Sex, I think it will be the most listened podcast of all time. <laughs> well, you're definitely right about the title um, because four million. But, you know, should I get a vasectomy? Obviously, it, interested yeah. that four million dollars of wine is number one. Um, I know. I was thinking about that, but I'm looking at your keywords here. So, I mean, like, I think Alexa and Christmas probably help number four. I think cruise ships is big into number three because people are probably podcasting and looking for some sort of cruise ship reviews. Vasectomy, clearly, the keyword in number two. Number one, I guess, I'm guessing like something about money plus wine is helping that boost it out past the normal average. And so none of it is because it's a good podcast that people shared with their friends to listen to. No. I mean, something we talk about in my work, I'll let you understand how the sausage is made a bit, but is clarity of title matters so much when people have choices and there's so many choices to make these days, as you know, like I think understanding what you're getting and the clear and exciting title will always help. Well, it's funny you say that because kind of an an umbrella on this whole pod is that there is a very popular show in Australia called Landline that's all about people living in the Australian outback and it's like it's I, I don't think it's it's on a on a television station called ABC which is different than our ABC and I feel like I got so angry when I found that out that I didn't really read that much about it but I think it's sort of their version of PBS and it's about people living an agrarian lifestyle I still think there's got to be at least five people in Australia who listen to this podcast every time it comes out. Like, there's no way that it's all just Australians thinking. 
because it's not a TV show. Who would ever hit a podcast thinking it was a TV show? I mean, you tell me what platform. You can't play a podcast on your Roku or your smart TV. So are they? Yeah, but people, they'll take TV shows and translate them to podcasts. Okay. Um, so you, they probably think it's the landline show that they're just going to listen to while they drive their car in the outback. Okay, well, I have one more list of stats. I'm not going to only do this because I think I want to keep hearing your feedback, but to just give it more context. For cities, the number one city, excuse me, the U.S. has 8,700 of those 14.7 thousand listens, and Australia has 4,286. So obviously we know that there's like what we're trying to do here, by the way, big picture so everyone can follow along. We're trying to figure out that there's one person who doesn't know me that listens to this podcast. So as long as we have it's like we're starting to carve away at the mountain of sand. And as long as we have one grain left, I'll be happy. So in terms of city, Portland, Oregon. Well, is... Let me interrupt you quickly. Okay. Sorry, because I just Googled while you were talking. I wasn't listening. Landline has a podcast. The Australian TV Fuck. show has a podcast. Fuck. That's clearly what's happening here. God. All right. Now, is, do you think? Do we think the Americans are also googling to to listen to the landline <laughs> in Australia? Well, we should find out if anyone. Some of their titles. Did you know landline won a golden guitar in 1994? I was only 11, but I was, you know, now, I was. Being I was... a man about a dog can save lives. How long does it take to grow money from trees? There we go. How is? Do they even have a phone booth, a vintage phone booth in their homes? Like, I'll read you their log line as Landline is a podcast brought to you by ABC Television's Landline team. We dig out the stories that you love and find what has happened since the cameras left, drawing you deeper into the lives of the men and women who make up this great land. Okay, so a couple of is ABC public television? I want to know that. Can you figure that out? I'm, this is like really, we're not, I guess by showing everyone our cards, we're also allowing there to be Google searches on landline. It's very unlandline, Gabe, but I, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> it's Australia's national broadcaster. Okay. So, yeah. so a couple of other good things that I was thinking about here's a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, every, every silver lining has a touch of gray or whatever it is. Um, I the guarantee- chair of ABC is, her name is Ida Buttrose. I guarantee that I have lost less money producing this podcast than the Australian taxpayers have lost producing that one. So, like, I'm definitely more profitable on a per-listen basis than that thing. I guarantee there's millions of foundation dollars put into that. Um, The other thing is if there is an Australian listening right now and you listen every week and you think it's hilarious that I'm always saying Australia, be the first one to call. If you call the landline, 503-894-8480, country code one, as Anya reminded me in our podcast together, Plus one. I, I will send you a $100 bill, U.S. money, illegally through the mail. I will send it to you. I will send you a um, Franklin, a Benjamin Franklin, Okay. And so Australia, call the landline. You just have to call and leave a message and say you're Australian. You could even just do a fake accent, and I'll send you $100. I won't put your address up on the line. Okay, so back to the stats quick. Portland, Oregon is the biggest listener, 446 hits. Okay, that's just me listening to my own podcast over and over again, obviously. Number two city. You could guess this if you think if you think critically. What's the number two city? It's American based. It's in California. 
Eastern California. Yep. Means not Los Angeles. Nope. I'm thinking critically. Oakland. Mountain View, California. So this is a bot situation. Well, you tell me. This is where we really need your expertise. So expertise. So what? The Google bot would play my podcast. And then what would they do with it? There would be like an AI machine that listened to it, figured out what it was about, and then did search rankings on it? Because they hit play. They didn't just find the page. Yeah, there must be some sort of transcription that takes place, like a Google transcription, definitely. So, I mean, you know, as we figure out by the end of this show, like if there needs to be a pivot for this podcast going into 2021 – Dare I be the first person to podcast for bots? Has anybody done a podcast specifically for AI machines? And if if there hasn't been one, should can someone call the landline, 503-894-8480? Even a bot, if you could call the landline and tell me what your algorithm is looking for, I'd be happy to produce that show. I mean, talk about being a first mover. Um, okay. It's kind of depressing. So we've got 178 listens in Japan, 154 in Germany. I have family in Germany. I know they love the show. I know they listen every every time. So that those numbers are semi real. Chile, 104 listens. Mike, looking at you, I can't believe you're That's such all Mike. I love that. Such a loser listening to this podcast when you're living a beautiful life in Patagonia. Canada, 88, and then finally, Bot Heaven, the the USSR, with (laughs) 72 listens. So I will say that what's cool when you expand all these stats is that there's tons and tons of places with 18 listens, and those, again, are real people or 40 listens that have listened to the show. So um, I guess... How many Greensboro? Okay, how many in Greensboro? Um... I don't know. I, I mean, there's again. If you didn't, go, go if there. you didn't go to high school with me, and we've never met in person, five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty. Call the landline, and I will send you fifty bucks, even if you live in the United States. <laughs> Let's start buying listeners here, right? That's what advertising is. Um, so you know, there's more. There's more little details here, but I guess just why don't we zoom out a little bit and and and. Give, give me your opinion. Like, what do I do from here regarding if I just wanted to kind of shore up some – this will lead to a conversation about what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish here. But just like before we get to that, where where are you with that information? What do you think I should do? Just work only on titling things to get people to hit play? Because what do I do well, then? Well, that's what I, I think – We let's talk about what your ultimate goal is. And then I, I mean, at first, yes, I think – have you agreed to call this episode "How to Have Better Sex" as a test? Sure. Do you want? Yeah. Why okay. not? Let's do it. Perfect. Okay. So let's we'll, we'll regroup on that in a couple of weeks and see where your lessons are at. But I think the bigger question is like, what do you want out of this? I know you want to tease this, but who do you want your audience to be? Like, is your goal to have the most listens possible? Like, are you trying to monetize this? Are you just? Is this your personal therapy? Like, what will make you? What makes you happy? What would make you happy? Like, if suddenly. 10,000 people are listening to it, and what would you do at that point? Okay, so this is the best part of the pod, and those are all the right questions to ask. And I already pay for therapy, so I don't think I can just say that this is another therapy session. I can just get my therapist twice a week if I want to. So there is an incredible article 
There's a New York Magazine is my favorite magazine. Gabe, do you read New York Magazine? Like, do you get the magazine delivered to you still, or do you read it? I don't get the physical magazine, but I like when they're big articles, I'll read them. Well, when I'm having like technology anxiety or just like overwhelmed by the situation we're in, from like Zoom calls to text chains with Gabe to then Netflix shows on night, and I just feel like zapped. New York Magazine is really fun to just read in bed, you know, without any technology in there. They have an awesome crossword that I do every month in bed, like, or every two weeks. But there's this thing. Sometimes I, the reason I like New York Magazine so much is I feel like they just literally wrote the article for me sometimes. There's an awesome article in this most current one. It's called Our Shared Unsharing. Instagram Couldn't Handle 2020 Either. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's by author Stella Bugby. I thought, should I try to get Stella on the show? And that's something we can talk about. But I've starred two passages here. And the episode, or the, excuse me, the article is just all about how, like, Instagram has become very difficult for people this year for a lot of reasons. And it's become sort of boring. It's also become, like, very motivated by politics and social issues. And it's very difficult to figure out, like, how to navigate all of that. And I just want to read a passage here um, that will lead into what is my goal. So Thor Shannon, a director at David Zorner Gallery in New York, has about 6,000 followers and felt as if he reached an inflection point after the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I went on this last blissful bike ride and arrived where I was going and was met with an onslaught of texts, he said. I had a visceral dread of all the prognosticating I would see on Instagram. I couldn't deal with it, he told me recently. Rather than look at a million somber photos with broken heart emoji underneath them, he deleted the app from his phone. Now he says he's on it occasionally, but much less than he used to be. Some people said they began to pull away from Instagram because the pandemic had made them question whether they wanted to participate in the self-promotion economy at all. Jeff Ihaza, a music editor at Rolling Stone, described to me a feeling of wanting to, quote, be less known after he spent six months mostly alone, not having regular contact with the outside world for all of its obvious downsides felt like kind of like hitting a reset button, he said. After a while, I forgot about all the criticisms I had about myself which made getting off Instagram feel imperative. It kind of made me not interested in the idea of personal branding or being a public-facing persona so or person. So, and I'll, I'll, I stop reading there. So here's the first conundrum. The whole idea behind Landline at the beginning was like everything on podcasts in 20... I mean, I started doing this in 2014, you know, and, and obviously very badly. And, and whatever, it is what it is. People who listen like it, and if they don't, they don't listen. And that's just, you know, the, the free market society we live in. So the, 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 it started out as like all podcasts were were celebrities talking about celebrities. It was like, now Mark Maron is going to interview a celebrity. Now Adam Carolla is going to interview a celebrity, although Adam Carolla is like, to me, funny in his own way. And then it became more recently like, you know, murder mysteries and it was the serial craze and, you know, true crime and all of this stuff. And then it became podcasts were just radio shows that were recorded and like new ads were in and there's sport podcasts and there's fantasy football and all this stuff. And like Bill Simmons and Sal doing their podcasts on gambling every week has been kind of like my true north. It's a podcast I love and it's two people talking who – 
although they're now famous, in the beginning, they really didn't try to be famous. And so I thought, like, wouldn't this be cool to have a podcast that was just about, like, normal people having conversations that they used to have, and it wasn't about famous people? Now, I don't really know what it's about anymore. It used to be about, like, technology sucks and, you know, Facebook sucks, and then also, like, we should get back to our roots. But, Gabe, it's a conundrum. Like, now podcasting and putting it up on the internet, you asked me, like, do you want to be famous? Do you want to get 10,000 listens? Like, that's exactly what I don't want. Everybody who has that gets in trouble. They end up in the New York Post and or they get ripped down for this or they turn into that Allison Roman woman who, like, cooked at the New York Times and got fired and everybody knows about her because she tweeted something. And it's like, what what could this be? Like, without coming up with all the problems, like, what could Landline be? Like, is there, like, a walking tour in New York City of Italian delis that this could be the equivalent of? Where it's just my little show that I do with 500 people or 5,000 people that listen, but it's not about, like, getting bought or getting funding or getting famous. Are you asking me a question? <laughs> Yeah, I did ask a question at the end. Sorry, that was long, but it was necessary. What is, like, what could this turn into? Like, what could this be that isn't being famous? Oh, it feels like what that is is what it is right now. Like, it's just making you happy. Like, that's what I, you listed those stats, like, they were all interesting and nice to hear, and, like, probably two-thirds of them are bots, but some people are listening and enjoy listening to this every week. And it's basically made for your friends and family members uh, who enjoy listening to you. But like what the next level of that is somehow more people listening, which I don't think will happen by itself. And I know that involves you promoting it somehow or figuring out a way to get more people to listen is this or titling it in an exciting way. Is this but like, yeah, boring? Well, is this, just, is this... it, then you, that's the question is like, what, what will make you happy? You have to think about what your goal is for it. Not like, yeah, that's what is your goal for it? Well, okay, Why so do you do it? is the is this first of all is this is the question I asked you boring to you? Because that would be like interesting feedback. Like, is that a stupid thing to ask? Like, well, I'm just not into like brainstorming like what another version of this could be. Okay, all right. So I mean, I'll, I have I have one larger idea that we can get to right now if you want. I think that there is a community of people who go to the farmers market who want to like spend a Saturday morning preparing for a Saturday afternoon dinner party on a picnic table outside by like foraging for plants and coming up with awesome candle ideas and like having a wiffle ball game before dinner. And these people are like turned off by exactly what this author just said that like, I feel like landline is per it, it, the idea of it, not my podcast, not me, but like the idea that there will be a, a boomerang to a life that involves like paper magazines and paper books and not everything you do being tracked by an algorithm that is ultimately invasive. I feel like I am positioned to be some sort of pseudo spokes commentator for that universe. And that like, because of my knowledge of cooking and creative ideas an analytical way of looking at this system of technology that is really intrusive, that I have a voice in this area. But to have a voice means self-promotion, and self-promotion means social media. 
and I refuse to promote landline on social media. I think that I need like I need a postcard campaign or I need people to tell a friend or because I it's not good enough. It, first of all, I, I know for a fact it's not just friends and family. Like I know, I know, I know in my gut of guts, just like I know how Twitter is more valuable than Netflix. But no, I'm just kidding. So the question becomes like, how do I make, let's say that there are 20 people that listen to this that don't moan me. How do I make that that 20,000 to make it feel like it's worth my time? Right now, it doesn't feel like worth my time. It, it the, the audience doesn't command enough from me that I make it regular enough, that I make it good enough, that I have put any effort into like hiring a producer or something like that. Like right now, it's just in this shitty, infantile kind of like, random place that really nobody gives a shit if it's gone well here's my idea okay take it off the internet all right i love it so let let's like let's let's go ask me a question you prepped me for this podcast by asking the question like is the landline landline and the answer is no it's not so what you should like wouldn't you rather put effort into doing something on over-the-air radio in Portland where maybe you could become a mini-celebrity in the place where you live, if that was the ultimate goal, rather than, you know, random people in Australia thinking you're another show and listening to it and then maybe or maybe not turning it off. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. So, but but let's not, like, like let's take celebrity out of it. I don't want to be a celebrity because that scares me, and that's a whole nother podcast. I would love hey, to. You could I would love to be an oracle. I would love to be change. I would yeah. I would I would I would love to be a respected voice at on the issues that I care about. So well then yeah, I would say I did some I did some research before we got on. Wow, um, nice. There are local there are radio stations in Portland where either you can a, a, apply to become a regular programmer. Or, so let's talk about K-Boo. Do you know about K-Boo or the, is it K-B-O-O? K-Boo has Welcome like the that. sickest Saturday Grateful Dead three-hour program that you would just like, you would move to Portland to hear. Um, All right, K-Boo. Today, well, I could listen to it over the internet. So that's my thing is like, if you, because I think what truly makes landline landline is something analog, which means like if I had an old school radio and I lived in Portland, like I could turn a dial like I used to do at home when I watched Red Sox. When I listened to Red Sox games on 1400, AM 1400 in my house in Vermont growing up. Like, you want someone to have the ability to that or listening in their car and tune in at a certain time rather than just have it readily available to them, which is technology and convenience, which you obviously don't like. But the benefit now is like K-Boo, I could also click a button right now and listen to it. So you still have the ability for people around the world to somehow hear you. But you create larger impact in your own community, which I think is what you're all about, keeping it local. Okay, so I, your ideas, I think your your core like takeaway sentence is gold. Like, take it off the internet. I do not think your action steps, and you just came up with this right here. So why would they be? But your action steps, I have problems with. Like you, people listening to Kboo online in Maine, where I have a ton of listeners instead of listening on the Apple podcast doesn't really move the needle. I guess the idea that I'm there every week at the same time is like more analog. Yeah, but I don't give a fuck about the people in Maine. I'm talking about making a difference in your own community, which means having your own regularly scheduled program to create change in the place that you live. 
and or to have a voice in a place that you live. So what about like printing records once a year that have like double records that have like podcasts I recorded and edited and like cut? Yeah, you can do that. And have people Very like easily. buy them. You know, that could be like that to me is more what you're talking about. And I think it goes back to how I have this crazy split personality. Like I watch the stats. Like I watch all the stats that come in. I care about how many people listen to this. And that's not very analog, and it's not very but analog. That's the equivalent of yeah, like someone putting up an Instagram post, exactly like for their likes, and constantly checking their phone to see how many people like that. All right, well, one more passage from this article, and then I won't do it, and then we can wrap up because this has been plenty of your time. May so this is the author speaking for herself. Maybe the craving for that kind of aspirational life isn't about any specific medium at all. I loved magazines so much that I eventually went to work for them. I'd also been a diarist since I was five. I wrote as therapy, as a way to process thoughts and events, as a way to practice and enjoy writing. But in the back of my head, I always wrote as if someone was reading, no one was, or might have them one day in the future. When I started using Instagram, I took those impulses and applied them to chronicling my own life in real time. The diarist techniques merging with the art director and editor I trained to be. And she talks about earlier how... Instead of Instagram, she used to sit down and read magazines like Vogue or Martha Stewart Living, and she got, like, the same reaction in her brain. Like, she liked just seeing, I craved, as if life were a, actually a dewy bowl of cherries, wanted to be transformed under lattices of golden butter crust. Like, that just technology has basically taken what we always wanted and made it into something else that's just more shared. So, it's like, I almost want to go on a Mark Twain speaker series instead of doing this where I go to a coffee shop and nobody comes and I give a speech and I like have that experience. And that's more landline than putting in a podcast up on the internet. Anyways. All right. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I used to write for news, uh, newspaper and, and had it printed out. And then like around my college, people would know me for being the guy with the sports newspaper column. Like that was way more satisfying than putting some column online. You have to admit that there is a conundrum here, though, that, like, I've put a lot of time and effort in a landline, and there are people who think some of the episodes are good, and then what do I do? I just trash that, you know? And I guess last thing is I've always wanted this environmental impact podcast that's all about, like, the things you can do every day for the environment, like, what's an alternative to sandwich bags, or I've always used the floss example on this podcast, like, how do you buy enough floss so you're not throwing out those plastic containers? And it goes on and on and on and on. So if you want to do that, just do it. Like, don't talk about totally, totally. But like that all of a sudden becomes, I don't, that is fine, right? That to put that on the internet and to hire a social media person for that is fine because the entire identity of that is not anti-technology. It's like I chose an anti-technology thing and I have no way to get it out except technology. So we beat that dead horse. Well, you've easily dismissed my idea of a local radio show, which you can do between um, 11 p.m. Hold on, I'm looking up. There's some a program called Audio Pilot. It's a designated time slot for new volunteers to test out the airwaves or do a few one-off episodes with no pressure of commitment from 8 p.m. to midnight on every fifth Thursday. Wow. Is that the Julian calendar you're looking at? I'm just saying, 2021, you could give it a shot sometime and see what happens. All right. That's a good suggestion. All right. Anything else for Landline? What's your Landline Christmas dinner? Well, and Christmas dinner, 
this is seven pounds short rib. I, I, but you're going to get frustrated because we already talked about this on a text chain. I don't I care. Ordered, I didn't listen. It's, it's American Wagyu beef that I ordered from Idaho that they shipped it to me frozen. And I'm going to thaw it for two days and then smoke it on my smoker for probably like 10 or 11 hours. And what are you going to do when it comes out dry? Like what will, like what is your... I won't let it. So I'm going to smoke it and then after a certain amount of time, I'm going to tent it or like wrap it in tin foil and pour beef broth inside of that. So it's sitting in the beef broth and smoking in that. So I think there's no possible way it could turn out dry. If I got over, if I, if I met with my therapist and like got over the technology part of it and, and was able to just keep doing what I was doing, but tried to actually improve what it is I'm doing. And I, you know, I've tried like different names for people, characters, bits. There's a theme song for Tim and I, two guys, one cup, like cocktail hour with Giles. There was the news with Saul. There was the business excavator. There's significant bother, the annex, like does all that, like, is that just all like it doesn't matter nobody cares it's like too it's too many too many different ingredients in the salsa you just got to like pick one thing and go with it no i think that's a great idea but then you have to create a re- actual cadence that people know and can respond to rather than just like whenever you feel like it posting a podcast that means like once a week you're putting one up and then like every 3 weeks is the returning program and what ha- what's your favorite length for a podcast? Or you have separate different segments of a pod of each podcast. My favorite length is I mean it's probably under thirty minutes that I listen to on one point five speed. Jesus. I mean, here's the challenge is like I I think COVID has killed podcasts, at least for me. Wow. Like, uh, my podcast listening is when I'm in a car commuting to and from work, when I just like want to zone out and not think about anything else. So it's like and maybe that's because I have two kids. It's like when do you listen to podcasts? When I clean you walk around your neighborhood. When I yeah, when I clean, when I do the dishes, when I do when I'm doing the chores that are not giving the kids a bath, whatever that thing is. So when you you like put on your headphones and you're not paying attention to your kids and you're listening to a podcast. No, like my kids are upstairs in the bath with their mom because it's not my bath night and I have to clean up the bomb that is my kitchen and I put on sports radio and listen to it. I just listen to either W. Yeah, I guess everyone. Everyone has their own time where they listen, but what do you, I've listened to way less podcasts during COVID. I mean, what do you do when nobody's around and you have to clean up or fix something in the yard or, you know, like when you're not at work and you're not with your family and you're by yourself or does that just never happen? I mean, what, what, like where have we been living the last nine months? Like I'm never by myself. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Even at, what about late at night? You just watch TV. But then I would listen. Like sometimes I, I went through a period before the election and my highest anxiety when I would listen to a lot of political podcasts in bed at night before I went to bed. But then I found out that I felt like I wasn't sleeping as well. Like I'd fall asleep listening to a podcast. So we're going to end this podcast on just a brief discussion of Rick Steves. So Rick Steves is really, that's who I want to be. I want to be Rick Steves for whatever it is I'm Rick Steves for. Rick Steves has Rick Steves doesn't know how to turn off how many showing people how many listens he has on his podcast on SoundCloud. So I can click something every time I post that says hide the number of views so nobody or listen. So nobody knows how many times a certain podcast has been listened to. And one of the reasons I do that is because if the AI bot sees that only like twenty seven people have listened in the first day, then they end up you know, not clicking on it. So you want to keep people shrouded, I think. So Rick Steves, he only gets like 
1,500 listens, and he's like a world-renowned travel author in the circle that he exists in, which is the equivalent of like a really famous New York City deli tour. So do you think that Rick Steves, like, are you surprised Rick Steves only has 1,500 listens? Like, how many po- how many listens do mediocre podcasts get, I guess? How many listens do you think you need to probably get? Probably about 1,500, but... Wow. That's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, I think there's this massive podcast bubble where, like, people are monetizing and valuing these things with way more than they're actually worth. And and it just turned... I mean, it's just radio now. It's just on-demand radio is really what podcasts are, most of them. Yeah. I mean, I want to put it... Like, what is your... Well, we should wrap up the year for you and Landline Podcast. So why don't we do something? I'm not going to do it myself, but I think you should think about it. I'm putting you on the spot. So every Christmas when we, except for this Christmas, when we go to Florida and spend time with my wife's family, leading up to New Year's, we all sit around a table and we write down, or we, we, no, we don't even write down, we verbalize and speak out our high of the year, our low of the year, and our three goals for the next year. And then the next year when we do it, we reread the previous year's high, low, and three goals and see if we've accomplished the goals. So wow. do we want to do we want to do you want to do this right now, either as Alex McKay or as Landline Podcast? Well, I, no, I think my my three goals are are figuring out which part of my schizophrenic brain is Alex McKay and which part is Landline Podcast. That's one goal. But um, no, I think I, I think those are good things to do. Maybe what I'll do is I'll make a like a best of show for the year. Clip clip out some of the podcasts from this year and put them up. Um, in between Christmas and New Year's, and I'll make my two goals and and three, um, excuse me, three goals and Rose and Thorn during the breaks of that show. Um, I can tell you that like the the best thing that's happened is when I can't name the exact show because I just don't remember. But when I leave the podcast booth, like I will today, and feel like the the content I had was compelling. And I think that like a lot of the components of what I'm saying today on this podcast, beyond like what should this podcast be, but around group texting and around this idea that there is a group of people who want to connect in this medium or excuse me, in this zone of existence that's really not monetized, like like having a bespoke forage dinner party is not something you can monetize unless you're Kinfolk Magazine, which I believe went bankrupt. So It's this idea of like staying connected and that is the kind of thing where I'll walk out of this being like, that was good. I said what I wanted. I got it out there. Whether or not people listen to it, who cares? Like I said my piece. I think the the down is when I post something that I really think is shitty and then wish I could like put it back in the bag because the internet is so fucking permanent and it feels really, really vulnerable to put things out on the internet when the whole when you feel like a hypocrite because you think the internet is fucked. So there is your rose and thorn. I'll come up with my goals. I know those weren't specifics, but that's kind of the world I'm in here. All right. Thank- well, it's a quite a way to end the podcast. A little depressing for the end of the year. Well, I think you know, depressing podcasts get a lot of hits. I mean, my wife's constantly listening to some like mother of three who got bludgeoned to death in her Connecticut home on her podcast. So I'm not sure that depressing depressing is that bad. I think real is what we need. 
Um, all right. Thanks for being on the show, well, Gabe. You've been a great guest. Thanks for your input. And uh, you, I'll, I look forward to sending you the double set of vinyl records of 2021 podcasts. Can't wait. I'll add you back to a text chain right now. All right. I am. <laughs> Bye. Festival.